Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Huddle Up Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Podcasts. I'm one half of the hosts uh, here, Chad Jensen. With me is the senior draft analyst of MileHighHuddle.com, who grinded his veritable arse off all spring and over the preceding three days, Eric Trickle. Zach is currently uh, in transit back home. So he'll be back tomorrow night. But for now, we get to hang out and talk with the dude that actually knows who all these players are, Eric Trickle. Bro, great job, by the way. First of all, let me just tell you, I want to see how you're doing and all that. But let me just tell you, great job covering the draft, getting all of our readers and listeners and viewers apprised of the class, the Finding Broncos series. I don't think we ever published the number of Finding Broncos scouting reports that we did this year. That and then just helping to hold down the fort every single minute of the the live streams. Well, maybe within reason. I'm sure you took a few breaks, but there for all the draft live streams, tip of the cap for a job well done. Pat yourself on the back. How are you feeling today, bro? You just like drained? I'm actually good. I got about 12 hours of sleep last night. Um, Had to take some aids to help me sleep, but I'm energized. getting ready to get started on work for next year, getting ready to get all the, my draft board put together, all the prospects to watch. And I think it, this was the biggest year for finding Broncos. We got 108 individual scouting reports out Mm. between Lance and I with not to my own horn. Lance got 15 of them in, but um, it was a lot of work and it, it, Feels like it paid off a little bit. All the work I put in, because normally, I mean, getting in fifty or sixty is always great, but yeah, a hundred and eight of them, and uh, all the work that was put into it, and then of course, enjoying the shows. The last three days being live with everybody in the chat was just absolutely awesome. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and listeners of the Huddle Up Pod know how much uh, credit Zach and I give to you in terms of. You know, it's one of the key ways we learn about the draft class each and every year is reading those reports. So props and uh, gratitude from us. And I'm sure all of our readers and those in the chats. Good to see everybody. I have missed you. Zach and I were planning on being more involved in the live stream podcast for what it's worth while we were in Vegas. But the Wi-Fi that the NFL had set up for us at Caesars Forum for the media, it was utter horrendous horse cucka. Kakapupu. It was not good, dude. Like it was barely good enough to like download an image. Oh, the Broncos draft player X. Cool. I'm gonna download that image from USA Today. And it was barely enough to get that uploaded. We rolled the dice when we made that one appearance, whatever it was, Friday night after the Broncos actually made a couple of picks. Um, and it just it wasn't good. So we decided, you know what? Better to let the guys keep doing their thing 
and have solid connections where, because we couldn't tell if you were hearing us, we, you guys would like freeze up on us. We were only on for a couple of minutes, whatever it was, but that's why it was so brief. And that's why we weren't, we didn't come back on, but it was a lot of fun uh, keeping Zach Kelberman out of trouble. That was my main job in Las Vegas. I jest a little bit, mostly I jest. Um, it was a lot of fun, but it was great to see you guys, you know, dropping knowledge on that. So thanks to everybody who, uh, supported that and hung out in the chat during those live streams and got to know a little bit about all of the prospects that the Broncos drafted. And I want to start with that, Eric, because I don't know, because we weren't in the live chats, it was a little bit harder for us to read the room, so to speak, in terms of how Broncos country was feeling about some of these picks. But I know Zach and I, Claude, what's good, bro? Uh, I know Zach and I, we kind of had a little bit of a really, that's what you're going to do on day two. Okay. Well, hey, look, Nick Bonito, uh, Greg Dulcich, they both could very well end up being veritable studs for this team. But at the time, for us both, it kind of came off we were a little discombobulated at that. What was uh, your reaction then? And how are you feeling about it? What's up, Andrew? Thank you, buddy. How, how are you feeling about the team's first two picks this year now? In retrospect, where you've had a couple of nights to kind of sleep on it, marinate on it, let you know, work out your hormones on the issue as it were. Um, at the time, the rapid reaction was I wasn't a fan of either of them. Um, Nick Benito, for me, he's got such issues as a run defender. And my style of edges, you got to be able to do both. And especially with how bad Denver was against the run last year. Um, so, so it was a bit rough. But then I kind of stepped back and I exchanging some comments with Nick. It kind of got to that point where at pick 64, the edges that were available, all of them had issues against the run. At least Nick Benito was the best, was the most bendy of the bunch. It was the most... Not necessarily the most athletic, but had the most explosion and burst to get around the corner and get after the quarterback. High pass rush win rate. Some of the advanced analytics with Benito is a little rough because of the slanting style defense that they have at Oklahoma, but maybe they can make it work. One thing that was that just added to my concern was one of the first things um, Evero said to him on the phone was, you got to get a little bit stronger in the legs and work on that run defense. As for Greg Dulcich, also not a fan there. I like the depth of this tight end class. I would have liked to see them target somebody a little bit later. But a, I think it's a good possibility that Russell Wilson gave the A-OK -okay to go get him. To That's the guy he, wanting another tight end. Maybe yeah. they had their – that he had his throwing camp. Maybe he didn't click with Albert Okoye, but I'm or whatever. So both of them are kind of came over. I think what helped me the most with Nick Benito was getting Luazarike in the fourth round to help eat up so much space that could help take the pressure off him as a run defender. Yeah. I mean, Dulcich, he seems like he's uh he's going to be a very good player. Comes back to or he could be. He has he he seems to have some of the traits that you hope will make him a good player at the next level, but you know, just what didn't feel like a position when you talk about I mean, in the final analysis, Eric, the Broncos had nine picks, so it's not like we're sitting here talking about a team that was, you know, very like broke basically going into the draft. I mean, they had resources, but to wait as long as they did, it wasn't just, hey, we're not, we're missing the first round. We got one in the second round. Don't worry. You're the last pick in the second round. So, like, you're really sitting on your thumbs for a while. 
All right, Nick Benito, of all the different edges maybe that were still on the board, which we can go through some of that if we want, but fine, whatever. He's very twitchy, and that's the one thing I really uh, – and he seems to be a high-character kid and smart between the years. So I, I've i kind of uh, warmed up to the idea of Nick Benito since the immediate aftermath of the pick. Um, Dulcich, I was like, hmm, do you really need a tight end in the third round, considering how long you've waited, considering the, the preciousness of the resource as far as you only had – well, I guess by this point, I'm trying to remember now the timeline, if they had traded the other one or not. But either way, you know, you end up with only two premium round picks. And for those who are trying to understand what I'm saying here, NFL, you define it premium round is anything rounds one, two, and three. Those are the rounds that you're supposed to get your starters from, rounds one, two, and three, premium rounds. So you're going to use one of your only two premium round picks on tight end when you look at some of the other needs. And I know George Payton, you know, afterwards he said, look, as far as offensive tackle goes, some of the guys we liked, et cetera, et cetera. The board just didn't fall our way. I don't know how much of that I believe. I don't, I'm not sure. Look, I don't think they really prioritized tackle as that much of a need going into this draft based on what they did on the pro side personnel, you know, going out and getting Tom Compton and Billy Turner and then re-signing Calvin Anderson. But I've warmed up to the idea. I just, unlike when they drafted, when Peyton, I should say, drafted Patrick Sertan last year at pick nine, uh, Javante, even though it was a trade up in round two, the, both of those tasted good right, right away. I was like stoked on both took a little while for my taste buds to kick in on these two cats. Yeah. With the, with the offensive tackle, I think that, and in his pre-draft presser, he kind of touched on it, that there's a few guys they like in that, that first second round. And I simply think they were all gone by the time Denver was, they didn't fall within a range like Tyler Smith. A lot of expectation was that he would be there in that second round. Dallas went and took him early. I wasn't shocked he went in the first round in the end of it. Uh, Bernard Raymond, I know a lot of Bronco fans wanted him. We saw him fall, but he's a little bit older. And then you have the issues with his arm length. And George Payton is a guy who is very much a measurements dude. Uh, arm length matters for him at offensive tackle. So I think that was some issues there. And then I think after that, it just was kind of mad to them and they just obviously they went other ways and it, it was a little rough i mean because there was a couple points where i thought tackles were good values i mean braxton jones talked about him a lot while we were live spencer burford they just passed on him so something was there but one thing i kept saying when we were live and you kind of touched on it too is they got three tackles that they are comfortable with starting and competing at right tackle this year and so it wasn't a super high priority I will say the one of the most interesting comments, though, after the draft that George Payton made was talking about how they started to look at a quarterback in the draft and it just didn't happen to fall their way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to this real quick. Let's grab this one from Mike 5.56. Appreciate the super chat, Mike. They passed on Travis Jones. Y'all are great, though. Much obliged. Yeah, they passed on a lot of different prospects, Eric. Yeah. With Travis Jones, like I love him. I thought he was, had good versatility. I thought he was more than just a two-down run defender or just a zero-one technique. My question is, is I don't think many teams felt the same way, which is why he fell so far. And with Denver, they just went out and spent $30 million on DJ Jones to be that zero-one run defending interior defensive lineman. Yes, uh, real quick, let me let me uh, make this prettier and easier for everybody to see. 
because this question ties into the 13 college free agents the Broncos signed in the immediate aftermath of the draft. Uh, from Gary Blah Blah, what's good, bro? Appreciate you chipping in some super chats, helping us keep the lights on, helping us pay for the trip to Vegas, and all of Eric's nerd um, memorabilia in the background, comics and stuff. We share a brain on the nerdery, though. Trust. You should see my nerd room. It would blow your freaking mind. Trust. But, uh, Eric, here we go. Gary wants to know, very confident in our picks and then a question mark. And Alan from Bama, as an undrafted, are you? So he's confident. Are we confident? Appreciate you, Gary, up there north of the 49th parallel in Canada. So let's go through a couple of these real quick before we answer him directly. Make sure everybody's on the same page with the college free agents, and then we'll come back to the draft class. Uh, the Broncos have reportedly, different reports, signed 13 different undrafted free agents, highlighted by the rush linebacker Chris Allen from Alabama, whom they paid 180k guaranteed reportedly, which, if I'm not mistaken, Eric, beats the guaranteed money they gave Brett Rippon a couple years back. So that, pretty sure, if, unless my memory is escaping me here, is the most they've guaranteed to a college free agent ever. Uh, but here's your list, and then I want your thoughts. So Alabama's Allen, uh, Buffalo linebacker Gaddafi Wright, USC linebacker Kanai Mwauga, East Carolina corner Jaquan McMillan, Hawaiian corner or Hawaii corner, pardon me, uh, Cortez Davis, Charleston running back Tyreek McAllister, Appalachian State receiver Jalen Virgil, Northwest Missouri State, really digging deep here, wide receiver Caden Davis, Central Florida wideout Brandon Johnson, NC State tight end Dylan Parham. Wait a minute. That's yeah. not a tight end. Yeah, there's two. there was two of them. There was uh, an offensive lineman from Memphis and the NC State tight end. Thank you. Okay, so clarity there. Uh, UT Martin tight end Rodney Williams Temple, offensive lineman Michael Neese, and then Minot State uh, offensive tackle Sebastian Gutierrez. So we go through some of these, but what is your overall feeling of the draft class? You know, he's, he's wondering how confident you feel in this class. And then your thoughts on Allen. Well, one of the things I've been doing most of the day is going over my board and giving out the values for each of the draft classes. And unfortunately, Denver sits with a 30 worst, 31st worst value from my board. And then there's also a consensus board that Arif Hansen at Hansen with The Athletic does that takes like 80 different public boards and just kind of compiles them and gets a top 300. And going off of that, Denver also has a 31st worst valued uh, draft class. I'm not super impressed with it there's a couple guys i like both those fourth round picks i absolutely love those were the only two picks that had a positive value to me montreal washington was a head scratcher i reached out and i was talking about this when we were alive reached out to a lot of people and didn't seem like he was expected to get drafted he even said he wasn't expecting to get drafted um luke wattenberg was fine matt henningson i really like as well um to both of those guys are very smart Matt Henningsen has been compared to uh, Matt Damon's character from Goodwill Hunting. Right. Um, so I hope that this is one of those situations where I'm wrong on because it's what's best for Denver, but not, not the wasn't don't think very highly of this class off the cuff. Right. And you just never know where it's going to go with players as they enter the league. I mean, who could have predicted, for example, that CJ Anderson would become the stud he did. He didn't even get drafted. Same for Chris Harris, same for Philip Lindsay, same for Shaquille Barrett, same for even Malik Reed, who might not be on the production scale prolific wise as the names I mentioned prior, but still it comes down to the individuals. Did the scouts do their job, the research? Uh, do they take to the new environment at the pro level? 
Is it the right coaching staff to develop the different players in question? Is it the right scheme? All that stuff. There's so many different variables, and it'll eventually come out in the wash. But, guys, it's not us trying to rain on anybody's parade. I want you all to understand that. When Eric talks about value, what does that even mean? Well, look, Eric is one of these draft nerd experts. All right. When I say he's an expert, I don't just say that to make him sound cool. Like Eric spends and has for a decade now, um, majority of his time as an analyst on the NFL draft contacts um, networks throughout the, the NFL and, and college, just completely submerged in draft. He lays out a big board each and every year, ranking his prospects in order. So when we talk about value, if the Broncos say, for example, Eric, where did you have Benito ranked on your board? Um, He was my, let's see, where is he? I had him ranked 114th. Okay. So if Benito is ranked 101 and the Broncos take him at 64 based on, and it's one man's board. And that's what he's trying to tell you. It's one man's board. That's not good value. But then you look at the, um, what was the, what was the source you you referenced on the other big board? That's it like was a, a consensus big board where Nick Benito was actually a steal as he was rated 58 and went 64th. Okay. So it, and oftentimes, and when it comes to the draft, can be beauty in the in the eye of the beholder, etc. But basically, most of those picks outside of the fourth rounders, what Eric's getting at, the value didn't quite match up. And before we grab Tanner here on the subject of Washington, and I guess I'll show you guys this real quick. I probably shouldn't have closed this, the screen as quickly as I did. Listening to the coaches and talking to uh, a little birdie or two in Vegas. You can thank Dwayne Stukes for the Montreal Washington pick in round five. Who's with Dwayne Stukes? He's your new special teams coordinator. Eric, the Broncos did, for what it's worth, have a pretty glaring hole at returner after they opted not to bring back Deontay Spencer. And that was for the best. It was time to move on and find something hopefully better because Deontay was solid, but just completely unspectacular. I think he had one return for a score in the three years that he was a Bronco, they needed an upgrade. And based on all the information that the scouting department had gleaned, based on all the research Dwayne Stukes had done, this was the guy for that, for what it's worth on, uh, on Dwayne, on uh, Montreal, Washington, Eric, and then we'll grab Tanner. Yeah. I mean, and with Montreal, Washington, this is a situation where finding Sanford tape, not easy. Yeah. I mean, it, it was difficult to find some tape for um, Joshua Williams, the Fayetteville state guy, I mean, the only reason I was able to find this is because he got so much hype. So it's one of those things where the resources that NFL teams has is vastly superior to the resources I have. And if I could watch him completely, like maybe, maybe I'd have a high grade on him, but I don't. All I'm able to do is watch some highlights of the game against Florida where he looked good. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had a really great return in that one. And so it was easy to see why they valued him as a returner. And yeah, it was very much a Dwayne Stukes pick right there and it was they made it obvious in the on the in the video where they they call him that it was very much Dwayne Stukes yeah um but one last thing on this and then I'm gonna grab Tanner you do get curious well okay it was a Dwayne Stukes thing cool well why round five then like couldn't you maybe have waited till round seven because we're talking the prospect himself didn't think he was going to get drafted he thought he was going to have to be trying out as a college free agent somewhere taking two two grand as a signing bonus to go hopefully make a team. So they must have somewhere along the way uh, received some intelligence 
that he was going to get picked by somebody else. So someone else out there had a little uh, crush, it sounds like, on Washington. So the Broncos just rolled the dice. Tanner, dude, thank you for your patience. Such a generous super chat. Really, really do appreciate that, my friend. He says, what's up, guys? It's been a minute. Been, that's true. It has been a minute, Tanner. How you been, big dog? He says, I've been super busy with my new job. Glad to catch a live one. Hashtag Broncos country. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag Broncos for life. I love it. Eric, how much of that, though? And seriously, Tanner, it's great to see you, bro. We've missed you. This is true. Um, Jeremy says, really impressed with the character of players selected. I think Peyton hit it out of the park again. Jeremy, appreciate you, my friend, on Facebook. Yeah, that's that's one theme that you never really have to question, I think, with Peyton, is all the guys that get drafted, you know, we can debate some of the athletic uh, traits, some of the measurements and all this, Eric, but you don't have to question what's going on between the years. They're usually high football IQ, high character leaders that prioritize football as the number one thing in their lives. Yeah, and throughout watching this draft, watching certain players fall, one of my contacts with Denver, I, I just kept reaching out. I was like, hey, it basically, is it medicals or is it character as to why this guy's fallen? It was always one of the two, basically. And character was, character was a big one. There were questions about Nick Benito early on, but everything's been nothing but praise for him over the last two or three years with how he matured. Intelligence is another big thing with them. I mean, talk to... Talk, mentioned earlier Matt Henningsen out of Wisconsin being such a bright kid uh, really was won an award for academics as well um, Luke Wattenberg has been praised for his intelligence Mathis is has a big degree in something where you have to be really smart um, and then uh, with the character aspect too I mean Nick Benito matured Uwazurike is another guy who there were some issues early on that grew up and matured as his time went so even if you have it in the past, as long as they believe you've matured and outgrown it, you're still fine in their book. Chase Wellner, thank you for the super chat, my brother, and all the support. Always consistent. Really means a lot. He says, one of my biggest takeaways, the Broncos are higher on the options we have an inside linebacker and right tackle than some realized. Good job this weekend, boys. Much obliged. Definitely higher on what they've got at off ball and right tackle. No doubt about it, Chase. Um, that was a topic that they addressed on Friday night. Actually, pardon me, Saturday night uh, after the draft had concluded. Uh, obviously, they're feeling pretty good about Josie Jewell. They're feeling pretty good about – we'll see what happens with Baron Browning, but that whole depth chart on the off-ball side, Eric, how are you feeling about it? And as a side note, what the heck happened with N'Kobe Dean? Um, so I'm actually glad they didn't address off-ball linebacker because off-ball linebackers don't matter. And – to clarify, it's not that they don't matter. It's just that Denver has, they're fine there. And judging by what has been said about the defensive scheme, they're not going to be using a lot of them. There's going to be basically one off-ball linebacker on the field. And with Josie Jewell, Jonas Griffith, and they're still going to use Baron Browning there. They, they've made that clear. He's not full-time edge. He's going to kind of have this hybrid role between the two. And then Alex Singleton, they're fine there. You don't need a tremendous player there with in the scheme you can get by and that's something that the rams have done for years so not surprised um chad muma i thought would would be an option there because there was a lot of chatter that they absolutely loved him but they just yeah. they were willing to pass on him could have been a situation where they valued had a higher grade on nick benito at 64 than they did chad muma maybe hope that he would fall a little bit but the jaguars pass on that as for no kobe dean 
it was he's small. He doesn't fit the modern mold for a linebacker. You got to have height and length now. And medicals, medicals, medicals. There were multiple reports coming out of messed up shoulders, messed up back, messed up knees, messed up ankles, mm. messed up elbows for with one of with him too. Like just everywhere, just complete multiple hits with medical red flags. That'll do it. Andrew Baker, what's good, bro? Hey, uh, may the fourth be with us all. Here we are on May the 1st. You're going to be on the show on Wednesday. Looking forward to it, bro. He says, what's up to the priest and DraftKing hashtag MHH for life. Really appreciate the stars, my friend. On the subject of stars, I'm, I am sad to report we didn't even come close to hitting our stars goal in uh, April. We're going to go ahead and reset that tonight for the month of May, and we're going to really juice it up. We're going to wait till Zach gets back in the saddle tomorrow night. We'll go through and announce what we're going to do to make everybody excited about May. But we just got off to a real slow start on the stars uh, goal in uh, April and just never caught up, never caught up. And I think a big part of that too was just the hoopla hype and focus for everybody, including us shifting to the draft down the stretch. Uh, unlike previous months where, you know, you got a podcast every night, the live streams, absolutely are a thing, but they're not a podcast. So it's just, it's just a different feel, but we appreciate everyone who chipped in. We're still going to be doing something fun for those who uh, did contribute to a goal that was unreached. Unreached? That's not a word. Not reached in April. And we'll, we'll get into all that tomorrow night. So Andrew, appreciate you, bro. Um, Eric, real quick, let me go through this because for so many of our uh, great listeners and viewers, they get the vast majority of their information from us. So for those who missed it, let me just go through and read off here the actual class. By the way, Kim Becker's back. She did a great job laying out all nine picks in a video uh, last night. So if you guys missed that, go check it out. It's worth a watch. She's got a podcast coming of her own here to MHH that we'll be unveiling in the next week or so. So stay tuned for that. But here is your 2022 Denver Broncos NFL draft class, starting with round two, pick 64, the edge rusher from Oklahoma, Nick Benito. And then we get down to round three, pick 80. Uh, Greg Dulcich, the tight end from UCLA, looks in some of his picks, Eric, some of the angles, you get it just right, like Weird Al Yankovic. It's a thing. Round four, pick 115, uh, Damari Mathis, a corner from Pittsburgh. And Eric, if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the picks, this one and the next one, that you liked the value. Um, pick four, uh, Round four, pick 156. I'm going to butcher his name, Eric. Why don't you say the name? The defensive end from Iowa State. Ayoma Uwazarike. Thank or you. Or any. You can call him any. I want to come back to these fourth-round picks because I know the value matched up for you, but let me just go finish this list. Round five, pick 152. Delarin Turner-Yell, a safety from Oklahoma. So, you got two Sooners coming in. Benito was stoked to learn that his uh, college teammate was joining him in Denver. Round five, pick 162. Montreal Washington, the returner we had talked about just a few minutes ago. Uh, wide receiver from Samford. Claim to fame. He's a speed demon, and he balled out against Florida. Samford being a small school, that's a big deal to be able to shine like that against SEC-level competition. Uh, round five, pick 171. The center slash interior offensive lineman Luke Wattenberg from Washington. He's the guy that has a kind of Eric. What what was what'd you say? A goodwill hunting kind of story. That's Matt Henningsen. Matt My Henningsen bad. Okay. One, so. 
My bad. We'll come back to that. So Luke Wattenberg, we'll go through some of these, and I want to get Eric's thoughts, like brief summation of what these guys bring to the table. Uh, but, but let me just finish the list. Round six, pick 206, Matt Henningsen. That's the guy. Defensive tackle from Wisconsin. Uh, we'll come back to him. Round seven, pick 232, Fion Hicks, corner from Wisconsin. So a couple of cheese heads. And that's it. That's your that's your class. So, Eric, a few things I want to touch base on. First, let's talk about these two fourth-round picks. Mathis, the corner, and then Awuzie. Uh, Awuzie? Uwazarike. Oh, what am I doing here? Guys, I've I've been um, on the move so much the last four or five days. Like my body literally feels like it's vibrating. But anyway, Eric, talk about these these fourth round guys. So, um, Monk, Michael Wonquil came with a fifty dollars donation. So, thank you, Michael. We appreciate that. And oh wow, sorry, yeah. I, I've been navigating off the uh, stream I, or off the screen, so I didn't see that. Michael, you are a prince. You know, we love you, big dog. Thank you. And Michael, we really appreciated your support over the last three days as well. But Damari Mathis, I mean, this guy's versatile. He's physical. Sometimes you wish he can kind of rein it in. If you think about Kareem Jackson and how he's a couple times has knocked out his teammates, there can be some issues of that with from Mathis. He's not afraid to get in there and mix it up as a run defender, which I absolutely love. Is something that really drew my eye to him last year when I was watching a couple other Pittsburgh uh, defensive backs. Big fan of his. Not sure he's really a boundary corner in the NFL. I think he's more slot or hybrid safety type in the NFL. Big fan of his. I know Carl was a huge fan of him too. And Carl, when we were making the predictions, Carl actually got this one right. And it's just additional depth in the secondary that Denver needed, especially with that versatility. And then Uwazarike, when looking at the Los Angeles Rams from last year, they didn't really have somebody to fill what Ashawn Robinson did, who kind of helped eat up space and open up other guys. They got DJ Jones to be the inside guy to be that nose tackle for them. Uazrike is, in my opinion, the favorite to win that four-eye technique opposite Draymond Jones. He's so long, so much good length. Not the most athletic guy, but he, his motor doesn't stop. He gets after it as a, as a pass rusher, and he's not afraid to sit back and two-gap, one-and-a-half gap, and just hold down the, the running lane against the run. I mean, big fan of his, and I mean... The, nothing can sell it better than my reaction to it when we I saw that he was the pick. And you guys can actually find that on my Twitter too. It's pretty good reaction. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah. Six foot six, 316 pounds racked up uh, for the Cyclones, a total of 70 solo tackles. That's pretty prolific for a trenchman with his hand in the dirt. 34 and a half tackles for a loss, 15 sacks, tipped three passes, two fumble recoveries, and he scored a tutty. In uh, in college, very cool. We'll come back to that. Let me see. Uh, let me see what else is on the minds of our chat here. I have missed you guys. It was uh, very much a case of phantom limb since I uh, headed to Vegas, where I wasn't able to talk with you guys. It was like something was missing in my life. Um, and by the way, love seeing how many are in the room with us right now. Uh, hello to the four hundred some odd beautiful souls joining us in Broncos country on YouTube, and. By the time you factor up all the other channels, we're well over 500 people watching with us. So welcome in. We love you. We appreciate you. We can't forget, though, Twitch. Uh, RAL Blitz loved the drip you had for the draft, too, Eric. I don't know what that means. Uh, I think it's the I think it's like new thing for new new age speak, I guess, for the dress. Oh, yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, dapper. Heck, yeah, yeah dude. Uh, 
I'm approaching boomer status. You know, I am a, a man in my 40s. So some of these, you know, I'm a, the cool kid type of words. That's why I need Kelberman to interpret syntax and why I need some of the youngsters uh, like Trickle here on the show to help interpret for Grandpa Chad. Speaking of Chad's, we got Chad Beach. What's good, bro? Evening Priest and Broncos Country. Let's ride. Sounds like you're excited, Chad. Very cool. Appreciate the support, my dog. Great to see you. John Chance saying, and thank you, buddy. I still, much respect. To rock a, a stash like that, first of all, God gifted you with a beautiful man stash, okay? But to rock it with such a plum, tip of the cap. I like Turner Yell. He's a thumper, says John, and a dog. Your thoughts, guys? Also, thanks for the live draft content. I listened to you while at work at the or in the hospital. Very, very cool. Eric, a thumper and a dog. You said he projects more as kind of a, for lack of a better term, maybe like a dime backer, like a guy that can get in there and mix it up more of a safety really than a corner. I don't know. T talk about Turner Yell for John here. Turner Yell's a little on the smaller side. Um, I think he's like 5'10", 5'11". One of the things that stood out watching it is that watching him and listening to the one of the scouts um, was interviewed about it. And he mentioned his range. He can be a single high, and he can. And I, I like him more down playing in the slot as a, another one of those safety nickel options, that one, that one of those types of hybrids. Um, but he's definitely got range and going to often reference what they did with Lot and the Rams did because Evero was there as the secondary's coach for so long, passing game coordinator last year. He's used small guys like Turner Yell, similar builds like his, so frequently that I think that they have a role to get him out on the field at least a little bit this year as kind of this hybrid type player. Uh, real quick here, we got to grab this comment on Facebook from Rodney. Appreciate you, Rodney Garcia. Uh, he says, good evening, Chad, Eric, and Scott. After seeing what we got in the draft, all I got to say is in Peyton, we trust. I'm excited about our draft picks. And on a good note, we got one from the Colts next year. So Eric, talk about that. They Peyton wanted to, he mentioned in post uh, draft presser that they're hoping to maybe stockpile a little bit more than they were able to, but they were super stoked that they came away with an additional third round pick in 2023 and still was able to make nine selections. Yeah. I mean, they traded the 96th overall pick, which was the 32nd pick of the third round. And so, I mean, that third round pick at the very least, it's going to be the 32nd pick of the third round for, a year later, that's where they only had four picks going into it. It was great. It was my favorite move at the time on day two, being able to get that third round pick and 179 for this draft, like fantastic, loved it. And I don't think they're done. I think that we'll see come training camp. I think we'll see multiple moves of trading away some players who they're fine re or have replacements for like a Malik Reed, like a uh, Mike Purcell to get even more additional 2023 draft cap. Malachi Martin jumping in with a super chat. Thank you. Appreciate you. What undrafted free agent will make the roster? Eric, who do you like of the 13 we've heard about up to this point? Whose odds? Obviously, the one they paid 180 G's to is probably the guy with the best odds just by virtue of the skin in the game. But anyone else that you'd like to mention? I mean, Chris Allen obviously stands out, not just with that. I mean, he's a great player. The issue has always just been health. If he was had been able to stay healthier at Alabama, I mean, you're probably hearing his name called top 150 at the very least. 
my favorite guy though is probably um the corner out of east carolina jaquan mcmillan or the appalachian state receiver jalen virgil who i actually like more as a returner than what little i've been able to see of montreal washington hey i also got to tip my cap to this christopher allen i mean remember demarcus walker's twitter handle living legend 44 whatever it was this dude's handle is uh allen underscore greatness hey you got to believe it first before it can be you got to believe it and then if it's to be it's up to me gotta love it gotta love it i love the uh mentality from this guy it'll be fun to see how he how he holds his own yeah and as i said it's just going to be health that's going to be a thing i really like it and talking on the pod i mean carl was one that kept talking about maybe with the seventh round pick they'd be able to they'd look his way and we all felt that covering it that and we talked about it multiple times that they still needed to add another edge to the room and just help shore up the bot the bottom of the depth chart there and with how hesitant they were to get put that tender on Malik Reed. It's signs are pointing that he's definitely on his way out. You got me curious. Now I got to see what this reaction is. Okay. I absolutely love my tackle for Denver with Russell Wilson's height. I mean, no issues there. Oh, Oh, yes. <laughs> they go defensive line. They get my guy. Aoma Uwuzuriki out of Iowa state. Wow. Absolutely love him. Great versatility on the defensive front on the defensive front. Great length. I mean, Denver, I absolutely love <laughs> that's awesome, dude. That's genuine joy. So that's cool. Jeff C jumping in. Appreciate you, bro. One of our longtime super chat superstars here at MHH. He says, here's the good news. We got a quarterback. There will definitely be some picks that work out. I can also tell the coaches are energized and strict. They're about ball. No doubt. I'll tell you what, man, that Dwayne Stukes is an imposing cat. Um, and not in like a, I guess it is actually kind of in the similar way of a Bill Kalar, where Bill Kalar might be this loud grating. If you've ever seen Full Metal Jacket, uh, the sergeant, the drill sergeant for the first half of that movie, that's just constantly, constantly wearing on private pile or whatever. That's basically Bill Kalar. That's Bill Kalar. And people either take to it and like it or they, rebel against it and it doesn't work out. And even those that initially rebel against it, eventually they come to appreciate it. Dwayne Stukes isn't necessarily that guy, but that fear and that just intensity and that imposition that such a character as the Sergeant from Full Metal Jacket um, portrays, you know, that's the kind of juice Stukes has. Like you better be on your P and Q's. You better show up on time. You better ball out and execute or else there's going to be a reckoning. And you don't want a reckoning. If Dwayne Stukes catches you slipping, there will be hell to pay. Yeah, and one of the other coaches, too, that the interviews I've been able to watch of his, the guy who replaced Bill Kohler, Dixon, Marcus Dixon? Yes. I mean, he, he, seems, he, he kind of seems to be of that same kind of mold. He's not really going to yell at you or get in your face, but when he's not happy with what you did, you're going to know it because it's going to come through in his tone. And I also didn't realize how huge of a person he is until they were announcing, I believe, the Uazarike pick and we're on the call with him. And George Payton goes to give him a fist bump and he ends up wrapping him up and picking him up in a hug and lifting <laughs> George Payton off the ground. And George Payton's a pretty tall dude too. Right. Yeah, Marcus Dixon, former defensive lineman himself. Right. Scott told me the story of that dude's path to the NFL, which was fraught 
for lack of a better term. And then he finally gets to the league, and now he's coaching the position he played in the league. Pretty cool. GLP, what's up, brother? Gary Leeds Palmer in the house. Appreciate you, my friend. Chad and Eric, I think we had expected a different draft, but George Payton has to listen to what the coaches want as well. Great coverage by everyone at MHH. Very kind of you. Thanks, GLP. Yeah, it's not just the coaches, but the thing you got to realize is, you know, when someone, um, the resources, as you heard me talk about at the top of this show, Eric not only spends a lot of time breaking down film on these guys, you know, studying their traits, you know, comparing them with others to form his, his big board and everything, but also working his sources across the league. And a lot of those sources are in the scouting realm in the NFL. Some of them are in the uh, collegiate realm, the schools, the athletic departments, the coaches there. Some of them are also fellow media like us that he'll reach out to and get thoughts and whatnot. Uh, but the NFL's resources on gaining intelligence and information on these prospects dwarfs anything that we could even remotely begin to approach. So you take a guy like, I don't know, just to throw a name out there, for example, that didn't necessarily jump off the, the screen as a great pick out of the gates like uh, Delaron Turner Yell, the safety from Oklahoma. Whatever intelligence the Broncos scouting department was able to glean on this kid um, they know more about him individually, his uh, character, what people around him think about him more, like just all those things. I mean, even George Payton on Saturday night as he was going through, he spent the first six minutes of his press conference before he even took a question, just tipping his cap to the entire operation from all the scouts to the logistics people to the coaches. Like this dude made it clear how much of a collaborative effort it really is to land and, and rope in a nine deep uh, draft class. And so there is a point where you kind of have to go, all right, this guy, Eric, didn't jump out to me as a great pick value based on, you know, our board, for example, didn't seem to quite add up. But based on what we know of George Payton, I mean, it'd be one thing if we we're dealing with John Elway, because John Elway had a spotty record. You know, he, he really turned the ship around down the stretch of his tenure as a GM. His last three draft class in particular, I thought were very good. But with Peyton, we're talking about the reigning GM with the best draft class, according to his peers. All right. So you, you give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, I think in those situations. Yeah, definitely. And also playing into that is that some new coaching staff too, and they're having their voice heard. And one thing that, as a draft analyst that I have to do is also factor in player molds. And that's not something that I've really had. A, haven't I actually haven't had a chance to do at all when it comes to this coaching staff, what style of players do they look for? We have some idea now with George Payton, athletic, smart, good character, pretty much clean medicals, pretty standard stuff there. But the scouting department for the coaching staff, we don't have that. It's not like with the new England Patriots. If you're a smaller running back, with good with good speed and quickness, you're probably a Bill Belichick type dude at the running back position. Minus Ramondre Stevenson, that was such an outlier there. Or um, the Dallas Cowboys with defensive linemen. There's all these molds for these different things that we have, and we just haven't figured that out there for them. And then on top of that, the additional resources, being able to sit down and talk to them, and getting answers to certain character questions, being able to get the medicals. Those are always the two things that I wish I had access to that we that I don't because that yeah. goes such that plays such a big factor into a draft prospects valuation and every single tape they have and one thing is like I may be low on this class but 
not only do they have more resources for it, is um, on that is there's all these variables, and you talked about it earlier in the show. These ver- we don't know how they're the chip on the shoulder that they're carrying. We don't know um, injuries could happen. Knock on wood, out of nowhere, all this stuff like that too. And that's that's why really, I mean, we value them. And I'm looking at this now with how I view them as prospects. And in three years, I'll look back at this again as NFL players and see where they've gone. Well said. Chase Wellner with another super. Appreciate you, bro. What, Eric, was the most shocking non-Broncos pick? In other words, when they passed on player X, which player they passed on in a given round was the most shocking to you? Um, I'd have to double-check when he went, but Braxton Jones was definitely one of the ones that's more shocking. Um, And I think they passed on him with one of their fifth-round picks, too, which is what just made it even more shocking is, all right, I could kind of understand a little bit passing on him in the fourth round, but once you got to that fifth round, that was a little rough. And I think they ended up taking um, – had two, I think they had two picks actually before, it, before him. Yeah, because he went uh, pick 168 to the Bears in round five for what it's worth and – Denver had 152 and 162, and he went yeah. 168. So they could have swung on him twice in round five. Yeah, so that one was a little bit that – was, that was probably the most shocking one. I mean, there was a lot of chatter going around that Denver liked him, but one thing's for sure that – I always say this is when round draft time, always take a grain of salt what you hear because you have really no idea how true it is, especially out of Denver with George Payton question for you just for craps and giggles here broncos in particular liked one quarterback didn't work out for him who'd if you had to put money on it who would you guess was the quarterback they were keeping an eye on and maybe gunning for later in the draft sam howell that would be that would be my guess sam howell then george payton particularly has been linked to sam howell going back to last year before he decided to return there you have it. There's some tinfoil hat for y'all. The Broncos will never reveal that, by the way. So any any intelligence that's gleaned from that will be, if ever it is gleaned, leaked from a source or guesstimates like we just heard here, uh, putting two and two together. Phil McLaughlin, appreciate you, bro. You're the man. Great show, he says. Go Broncos. Really appreciate you, Phil. Uh, Todd T. We got T twice. We got, a, we got a, another T twice, Todd T. Appreciate that super chat. That's not a name I recognize, so welcome. Connect on Twitter. We appreciate you. He says, thanks, everyone at MHH for the draft coverage this weekend. You're welcome, and thanks for being a part of it. What do you think is the unsung pick of this draft class, including the college free agents, Eric? What's the un- unsung pick? Um, For going somewhere a little bit different besides Uwazarike, just simply because – reading other people's opinions on it. He's always the one that's just kind of swept over. Um, but Matt Henningsen, I mean, this is a guy that I even back before the combine, I was, I really liked him and I was shocked. He didn't get a combine invite and I shouldn't have, but I did. I kind of dropped them a little bit because I mean, they picked the players from the combine by reaching out to the teams and him not getting an invite kind of sent a bad message and he ended up being a great pick. Super smart. At times, he was hard to focus on in college because, I mean, one of the defensive linemen that plays next to him is absolutely tremendous. But, I mean, he can get after it. His motor runs nonstop. Technique is is solid. Not the most athletic guy, but 
I mean, he he's just a baller. He's a football player. He's bright. If he doesn't make it as, as a player, he's got a bright future as a coach. Yeah, it says here from Luke Patterson's uh, news report, when the Broncos made the pick on Henningsen, and again, this is the, the guy uh, compared to Matt Damon's character in uh, Goodwill Hunting. Henningsen was also a four-year honor roll student that was in the National Honor Society and became the first Wisconsin walk-on to start a season opener since 1990. So <clears throat> this dude's got some uh, chutzpah. This dude's got some, uh, you know, he can... Uh, He's a self-starter, let's put it that way. Very driven individual. Measurables, he's 6'3", 289 pounds. Eric, what would be a pro comp for this kid as far as just measurables and, and traits? Um, I have to think on that, but also one thing with Henningsen is that uh, not long after he was drafted, he tweeted out a picture of him when he was younger in a Champ Bailey jersey. Ah. As well. so, uh, that's always an added bonus. Um, Pro-style comp? I've seen a lot of people talk about mention Derek Wolf, and that one just seems, for lack of a better way to put it, a little lazy to me and not really accurate. I mean, Wolf was a high motor player, but Henningsen doesn't seem to be have quite the same strength and seems to have a little bit more explosion. Um I mean there's there, there's always gonna be a differences, but he's not too far from Draymond Jones in terms of how they win. Uh, which is one reason why when I after they made this selection, I mentioned that this could be a pick for a little bit of insurance after the season if mm-hmm. they don't get Draymond Jones extended. Um, but he's kind of he's kind of somewhere in that Draymond Jones ish style of player. Uh, real quick, this is from Luke's article. Henningsen also, although he was not invited, as Eric mentioned, to the combine, had a nice pro day where he demonstrated his athleticism including a 37-and-a-half-inch vertical jump that would have been the best among defensive tackles had it been recorded at the combine, had he been invited, and had he recorded such a jump at the combine. So as Eric mentioned, that speaks to explosion. Jeff C., what's good, brother? Again, number two for tonight. Appreciate you. Both of your thoughts on whether you feel the Broncos have cleared the curse that's been lingering as an organization and do you think Judy and Hamler stay, or do they get traded? Well, the Broncos did just freaking sign. I mean, they drafted a wideout, and then they signed three of the 13, was it four? College free agents were wideouts. But no, I don't think either of those guys are going anywhere for what it's worth. Um, the curse, though, I do feel like, you know, if we were looking at it as a uh, team being um, possessed by some terrible demon, I think the Broncos have executed the first ritual required to expel that demon. But the second ritual comes when the cleats touch the grass this this fall. George Payton was a big part of clearing out that bad energy. Getting rid of Vic Fangio was a big part. And then, of course, Nathaniel Hackett as a breath of fresh air coming in with just a completely different energy, complete different philosophies, and just overall – expertise being more on the offensive side and then the cherry on top being Russell Wilson and I it feels like it's going that way Jeff it really does it really does and I think barring uh the injury bug taking a big bite out of this team yeah I'm pretty confident that by the time we're looking back on this coming season in retrospect so a year from now we're going to be answering that question uh with zero doubt yeah um 
injuries are always rough because I mean it's just a kind of, sometimes it's just a freak play that happens. Um, sometimes there's something with the body type that something wrong with the technique, a lot of issues there. As for trading Judy and Hamler, I don't I would don't expect anybody to get traded before the season. Maybe a team desperate for wide receiver comes and throws something at Jerry, for Jerry Judy. Maybe they bite on it by then. Um, I think the earliest we'd see either of them traded, though, is just right around the trade deadline. Most likely one of them gets moved after the season, though. Um, we got one here from Huero. I got one from RAL Blitz again on Twitch that I want to grab. And then we're going to be about out of time, guys. So if you have any burning questions, topics, get them in. Supers, we will see them and address them before we dip on out of here. But we're about out of time. So Huero Vidal in the house with a super chat. Thank you, buddy. He says, I think I'm more excited about the undrafted free agent rush linebacker, Christopher Allen, than our actual picks. I was hoping for Ojabo, uh, Muma, or Andrew Booth. Nick Benito looks like he tackles soft. Yeah, Nick, and that's one thing, too, that, uh, dang, Michael Ronquillo throwing down tonight. Bro, bro, before I finish my thought here, Michael, I just got to tell you, thank you, dude, seriously. Thank you so much from the bottom of both of our hearts. That means the world to us. You know that. You know that, dude. Thank you so much. It really does help keep the lights on here. That's not just something that we say. We wouldn't be able to be as comprehensive with our podcast uh, and the stuff we do on a seven days a week basis without support like that from you and everybody and else who does out of the kindness of their hearts choose to support us for you through Super Chats and Stars. So thank you. Thank you so much, my friend. Eric, just Michael Ronquillo is just Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, Chad hit the nail on the head. I mean, everybody's support we appreciate. And you, Michael, I mean, last few days, week in, day in, day out, week after week, just constant support and everything. And always sharing your new MHH gear that you get on Twitter and everything, man. You just support us in every single way, and we really appreciate that. What I was going to say, though, to finish my thought on Bonito, because Juero, I don't, I'm not going to forget about you, Doc is even uh, George Payton, you mentioned the, the phone call, and then even George Payton in the presser said, look, you know, he's got to get stronger. Um, and then as you get stronger, you build more mass, you get more strength. As long as you're being taught the correct technique by your coaches, <clears throat> the idea is you become a more physical presence on the edge and, and become more reliable as an edge setter and as a run fitter patrolling the edge like that. Right now, like if the Broncos had to play football tomorrow and Nick Benito is signed and he's on the grass with the Broncos, he's strictly situational pass rusher until they can get that coached up and get that strength built up. I mean, look, these teams, Eric, these schools in the Power Five conferences, they don't lack for resources, but at the same time, there is a difference in terms of strength, conditioning, nutritional focus, and expertise that comes when they get to the NFL. So I have little doubt that within a reasonable amount of time, Nick Benito is going to get stronger. He's going to get bigger, especially from the waist down. And he'll get the right technical uh, instruction, I think, to eventually be more of a presence against the run. But that is his knock right now. Yeah, he definitely has to get add a little bit more mass to his lower half. He's very thin thighs, very thin legs. There's a picture of him getting interviewed with Mike Kliz, and I'm fairly certain Mike Kliz's thighs are bigger than his. Um, very concerning with Mike Kliz's age. Not saying he's out of, out of <laughs> I, think, but I mean, he's not a football player. Um, and then with Nick Benito, part of his issues really stem from that base, from that trunk he has. He doesn't really, he, he doesn't have the strength or the power to 
get there and connect with the running back and then not have them run through and sustain his base and drive through. Just really lacking power. His upper body strength, I question how much he can improve. I don't think he's got much more room on his frame. But he can definitely spend multiple days in the gym doing leg day. Yeah. The player that he'll be even a year from now, Nick Benito, I think will be leaps and bounds beyond what he's the Broncos are getting day one as a ball of clay. So give him a little bit time and if of time. And if things work out the way Denver hopes in terms of the, the salary cap dollars they've invested in Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb, then they'll have the time to develop Nick Benito without pressure of needing him to make a sizable impact as a premium round pick. All right, uh, two more. We got one from RAL Blitz and then George Fox jumping in late. Then we got to go. Um, Blitz says, what's the chance of Luke Wattenberg dethroning Lloyd Cushenberry, Eric, and becoming the starter? Because it did seem like that was a shot across his bow. It very much was. So there's been uh, some stuff going around uh, through the grapevine that front office and coaching staff, they want to make the switch to Graham Glasgow. There's some issues with that with his height. They don't want to, you know, cloud the middle of the field there for Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is so, so short. Mm-hmm. Um, they really want to improve there. There's been some rumors that they were eyeing multiple interior offensive linemen. They brought some in for visits. Cole Strange went earlier than expected. Cam Jurgens went earlier than from what I've heard they Denver expected. Dylan Parham, they just missed on um, with the Raiders taking him, I think, at pick 90 in the third round. Um, but Luke Wattenberg, from what I've gathered, was viewed widely as the last center that could be a day one starter. He's just so smart, good movement skills. Ran a slow 40, but that 10-yard split was great. And that that's definitely a thing of, yeah, all right, we're looking at you to compete, if not start right away. Hackett said he loves how quick he gets off the ball. So what that means from a run-blocking perspective is you talk about his 10-yard split and that short area explosion for a big man. That's something the Broncos like as a skill set. And frankly, anything relative to explosion, Eric, twitch, athletic, nuance, Cushenberry has been wildly underwhelming in those areas. All right, last one, then we got to go from George Fox. Thank you, buddy. Good to see you. It was a good draft because of all the work the team of MHH did. Thanks from Southwest Florida. You're so kind, brother. Appreciate that. And also shout out to uh, Julio Rosa jumping in, saying hi from Wilmington, Delaware. It's good to good to see you. Glad that you checked in. We appreciate that. Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is, in fact, a state of being. It is wherever you are. And in Julio's case, he's in Wilmington, Delaware. Reminds me of Wayne's World when they do that green screen bit where and i'm in delaware dude you never watched wayne's world never seen it i'm dating myself it's scott kennedy's favorite movie all time for what it's worth <laughs> i mean i i know i'm betraying you know some inside baseball stuff here but scott kennedy loves him some wayne's world i'm just kidding i have no idea if scott does but anyway delaware shout out guys we got to dip on out of here thank you so much for joining us uh, before we go make sure you connect with eric on Twitter. He is, in fact, the senior draft analyst here at MHH. Been with me from the very beginning. In fact, Eric's been with me from before the beginning. Eric's been with me for 10 years now. Golly, it's been that long, dude. So follow him on Twitter at Eric Trickle, spelled E R I C K T R I C K 
E-L, at Eric Trickle. You can connect with me at Chad N. Jensen on Twitter. And then, guys, also make sure you connect with our main podcast account at Huddle Up Pod. The mother account on Twitter is at Mile High Huddle. Go to huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. Get yourself one of these hats. Get yourself a T-shirt, a mug, little something for everybody, just like the Super Chats, just like everything else, the stars. It's another way that you can support what we're doing here at MHH. And then cool thing about that, you get a little something-something that you get to hold on to by way of some merch. Also, guys, uh, if you could be so kind, make sure you're also following the Huddle Up Podcast Facebook page, which is a Facebook page completely dedicated uh, to all of the MHH podcasts. Easy to navigate, facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod, or just simply open up Facebook, search Huddle Up Podcast, give it a like, give it a follow. Don't forget, and we'll announce the winner of April's tomorrow night when Zach's back, but uh, go to Apple Podcasts. I know so many of you are with us live. So many of you are uh, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, etc. but we have about 40,000 people just in quarter one listen strictly Eric as on-demand podcasts, whether it's Apple pods, Stitcher, wherever people are getting their pods, probably largest swath being Apple podcasts. Everything comes down to on Apple podcasts ratings. So that's why we try to incentivize our listeners. Even if you don't enjoy our show via a download, you watch live. If you're an Apple user, just open it up on, on Apple Podcasts, find us, give us a five-star review, and that'll automatically enter you into each month's drawing at the end of the month, which we'll announce the winner tomorrow night. We uh, take those who gave us a five-star rating in the month in question, then goes in hat, pull out a winner, send them a little thank you gift, some, some swag. So go give us that five-star. And then last thing here, guys, if you liked what you heard, even if you disagree with us on any level, if you at least respect the effort, a small thing, not everyone can super chat, not everyone can star, not everyone can buy merch. One thing everybody can do is like this video. And if you really think we're doing a great job, share it out there. Help us continue to grow and reach those new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. And then, hey, to that 35 40% of people that watch these shows every single night on YouTube, but don't subscribe, come on now, subscribe, sub, let's go. And with, with that, hey, tomorrow night we'll do a full update on how April finished for the Super Chat Superstars. All right. Scott already did all the all the uh, math on that. We'll announce the winner tomorrow night. We'll figure out what we're going to do to thank those who contributed to the goal that we did not hit in April and then talk about what the new goal is. And I'll tell you, the new goal in May is going to involve one of these, okay? If not, maybe a couple of these. So I loaded up. I saw an opportunity, Eric, and I loaded up on Demarius Thomas jerseys. But, bro, thanks for making time for me on short notice. Appreciate everything you've done, my friend. Have a good night. Give my best to the family. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's always a joy being on. And even after three days of where, what, 16, 17 hours of being live, like, absolutely loved it. Wouldn't change it. Wouldn't give up, pass up on that ever. Um, I enjoyed chatting not just with you, but with everybody in the chat. So thank you for having me. Eric Trickle on Twitter, at Eric Trickle. I'm Chad Jensen. Shout out to Scott Kennedy running things behind the scenes. And shout out to Zach Kelberman for Zach, for Eric, for Scott. I'm Chad Jensen saying, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.